Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And on today's episode, my guest is going to share with you her journey, her career journey. Now, her journey's not over. It's far from over. I'd say she's probably maybe midway uh, through her journey. But I've been talking with a lot of marketers, marketers that have spent a huge portion of their career during this, this renaissance of marketing, the digital transformation era. I've also been talking with lots of younger people in their career that are either entering the field of marketing or uh, have entered the field of marketing and spending one or two years and are asking me questions about how to level up their career, how to advance their career and decisions around whether to take on more responsibility or become uh, a specialist versus a generalist. So I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode. I've had the pleasure of knowing Christy for quite some time and uh, let's dive in. Christy, good to see you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am excited. This is your very first podcast, right? It is. My job is but to I have make... been listening for a while, oh. so I'm excited to be on this end of it. Well, they say long-time listener, first-time guest. Here you That's are. Right. Awesome. Well, what I said to everybody, and I, and I know that we can deliver on, is lessons from your journey. And what you share with me is, hey, if everything plays out right, you'd like to work for about another 12 years and you're about 13 years into your marketing career, and a lot has happened over those 13 years, personally and professionally. So before we hit the what's been happening, can we start with like your origin story? Like how, because it's a pretty unique one, how'd you get into the field of marketing? Yeah, it's a, it's different. Um, it's, a, it's a story that I actually didn't really understand its relevancy or its impact on my career until a little bit later in life. But, but it actually started right when I got out of college. I had a degree, surprisingly not in marketing, like many people, right? And uh, I had a degree in community health and exercise science. And I live in this little town in northern Minnesota. And this was like during the you know, the early 2000s. So the wellness industry was really just starting to build and um, gain some momentum, but there really wasn't a lot of opportunity for jobs where I lived. So I, I didn't, I couldn't just come out of college and go and get my dream job and, and stay in this town that I wanted to stay in. Um, so I started working as a receptionist at the local clinic. And this was hard for me because I think, you know, anybody who's coming right out of college, right, you, you're eager and you're excited and you just, you want to go get the best job ever. And it was really, really difficult for me to work as a receptionist where I couldn't, I wasn't really using my degree and that was hard. Um, so I wasn't the only one in this position. I had a friend of mine who had kind of had a similar background, same similar degree, um, wanted to stay in the small town, raise our family and working as a receptionist. And the two of us got this just harebrained idea that we should present and propose to our leadership team at the clinic that they should get really involved in the community and start, you know, building a, a you know, a sports medicine clinic and um, you know, doing some preventative medicine with the community. 
And, um, and so we spent hours and weeks and months um, outside of work, by the way, at home in the evenings and, and weekends preparing a proposal. So we did a ton of research, put a lot of work together. Um, we got in front of the executive leadership team and proposed this great grand, you know, I don't know what we did. It's it, looking back. I probably um, was, it was probably very idiotic, but you know, we, we had this great plan and we proposed it and we had all this research and it was great. And the next day, the CEO called us up and took us out for a little drink after work and I'll never forget what he told us. Uh, he said, that was the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and he looked at me and he said, you were so nervous. And I was like, just, I was mortified. I was like, oh my God, you, you knew I was so nervous. Like that's, you know, it was just embarrassing. And, um, and then he said, here's the thing though, you guys are right. And I'm, I'm not going to go build a multi-million dollar facility and do all this stuff but we can start small and I'm going to let you guys get, do that. And you can do it while you're a receptionist. So we started doing education and enablement. We started, you know, putting together newsletters and that was kind of where my marketing journey began. Wow. Um, within about six months, we were job sharing a role within about a year. We had two full-time positions. We had our own department. We had budget um, you know, office equipment, all the things we needed. And we really scaled that employee wellness program beyond just the, the clinic. We scaled it out to the, the community. We, um, we were contracting with other businesses. We were, um, we were doing, you know, grants and uh, we got into the community and started doing events. Uh, and it, it really became something that became a little baby that became, you know, grew into something quite large. Um, it was, it was really, uh, an amazing opportunity. And all of that was because we, we had that ambition to just get, you know, put something together and get it in front of the executive team. I, I think we were a little nuts, but it ended up, <laughs> it ended up going really well for us. The thing that I want to underscore about what you're saying is we just had a company all hands call and the theme of the all hands was career progression, advancing your careers. And I asked two people from my group. One has been with the company for 12 years, Ron Scrifano, who's the director of sales operations. I don't know if you know Ron. You know Ron. Smile, yep. so I, okay, so you know yep. Ron. Uh, you know, started when he had like three years experience, wasn't married, didn't have kids, and was in a different role, and he's worn a lot of different hats. And then Beverly Benito was also one of the people who shared. She's been with the company a long time. And the, the thing that Ron said that would, is really what underscores your little origin story there is he told the group, you don't need the title or the promotion or, or to be handed you anything to go create your job. Just go create what you want to do and start doing it. And then, you know, really officially take on the role when that's the appropriate thing. So I thought that was really great advice because I think so many people think like, I'm in a role, I have a title, I have a little box of my area of responsibility, and that's it, and I'll just wait till my you know, manager promotes me or a job is posted and I'll apply for it. And Christy, I mean, is that an accurate perception of how to advance your career? Because it certainly wasn't for Ron and his advice. 
No, I mean, yeah, it's, there's, if you're going to sit in your little box, you're never going to be able to advance your career. I mean, you have to be able to kind of set a direction, especially if you're a high achiever and you're, you have, you know, interests and things that you're passionate about, you have to kind of set a direction. And then in my opinion, just raise your hand for things and, and really just, you know, try to just drive that change and, and do, you know, do what you can to kind of build, build that, build that up. And I think the only way you can do that is by raising your hand and saying, Hey, I'm willing to take on this new, this new thing, or, Hey, I've got this great idea. Um, but if you're not willing to do that, then yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to advance your career, especially in, you know, our marketing and sales world today. So lesson number one from your career journey is, is don't wait to be handle the title or the promotion or even someone to walk up and say, hey, I think we should get more involved with the community. And would you put a big plan together on how we should approach that? Because you didn't. You took that initiative with your friend. Uh, I I asked you if you watched the show Yellowstone. You said not not yet. And the context of that is, as, as we've talked, I'm in season four, beginning of season four. Not really spoilers for you guys, but there's in the beginning of season four, there's a boy that comes into uh, the Yellowstone through an interesting uh, way. And this is a boy who's got a pretty troubled um, youth, and he's lost his, his father. And the advice he gets is, uh, and it, it, he calls it, a, uh, Rip gives him a, the secret, and he says, never think that this you're entitled to this. Never, ever think that you're entitled. And in an era when you hear the word entitlement a lot, I mean, Christy, you have a big hustle. You work hard, very hard. And I want to talk about, you know, the hard work that's required. But that same mindset of I'm not entitled to anything, so I'm going to go create opportunity. It doesn't matter where you are in your career, whether you're starting out or myself, who has, I mean, for a lot of people who know, listen to the program and know me, we sold the company a year ago and joined BDO Digital. And one of the responsibilities that I've taken on in this, this new environment, besides leading my group, is spinning up our marketing team and the marketing strategy. And that wasn't something that, you know, was was handed to me or, you know, was in a, uh, a meeting where someone said, okay, here's what we need for the organization. It came through some inorganic con- conversations and, and led to that. And so, you know, I'm at a very late stage in my career and still following the same recipe that you are recommending. Uh, mentors. Uh, Mentors play a big role. I I needed help when I was running the business, and I joined Vistage, which is like ENO or YPO. These organizations where you're in a group where no one's in the same company, and you're all a bunch of executives. Mm-hmm. And the advice that I needed was at that time, you know, how to grow and scale the business from other people that have done that and navigate some of the the opportunities and challenges. What do you think about mentoring and coaching? Like we have a career advisor program at BDO Digital. And I have a Coffee Connect meeting with Rachel on Monday coming up. So we have a program that connects people together for career advising. Mm-hmm. And I like that structure here. I've never seen that anywhere else. And I'm wondering how you've approached, you know, did you value mentorship? And how did you find your mentors and coaches if you did? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, my in my experience, it's been in a lot of different avenues. And, you know, I've got certainly got mentors that have been, you know, former bosses, you know, former supervisors who have just been, you know, really invested in my career growth and making sure that, you know, they're providing me with opportunities to walk through the door. So I've I've certainly experienced that. 
Um, I've been in other organizations where, you know, similar to what you just mentioned, there's, um, there, you know, there's more formal mentor coaching relationships. And I think that's also a, a wonderful opportunity. I haven't actually taken it. I've tried to take advantage of some of those situations and it just, it's in some cases it's worked out and others it hasn't just because I haven't really had that, um, that relationship with your mentor. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's really been, like I said, former supervisors, um, and then creating the relationships with former colleagues, um, and then continuing to sort of curate those over time. So even if we're no longer working together, um, when we've got questions about things or we need to talk about, you know, a career advancement, oftentimes it's those people that I will run to, uh, to you know, to have those conversations. And, and as long as we're keeping the lines of communication open, it, it's kind of like an inf- very informal mentorship coaching relationship. Yeah. I, I can't encourage everyone enough to find a mentor or coach and the value that it brings. I mean, in terms of lessons about your career that you're hearing Chris and I talk to, first of all, have a hustle and, and work hard because unless you inherited wealth, right. As they, as they talked about in Yellowstone, unless you inherited wealth or you steal it, the only way to get really financial success, and I'm not saying that that brings happiness because oftentimes it doesn't, but if if you're looking to grow your income, and and I know many of you are, you gotta work hard. And so we're saying, you know, create the opportunity for yourself. Make sure, I tell the team all the time, make sure you tell your manager the things that you wanna do because they don't know that you want to move in. I mean, marketing operations didn't even exist when you started your career, really. I mean, the title didn't. I remember at a conference in San Diego, I said, would, would you raise your hand? And there was like 300 people was doing the keynote. If you have marketing operations in your title and like two and a half hands went, you know, the person who's like, I, I kind of do, or I want it, you know, I don't know, but three hands. Two years later, 50, 60 hands. And now I can't even imagine. And it was a marketing operations conference and the title didn't exist. Yeah. So you uh, you just kind of express and communicate to your manager the things that you'd like to do and the things that you don't want to do. Um, had someone the other day ask me about generalist or specialist. In a marketing operations, you certainly have to be more of a generalist because there's a lot going on there. What's your advice to people in the early stage of their career, maybe mid or late, around being a generalist versus specialist? Because you've, you've done... You, you've you've multitasked a lot in your career, but what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think if you really want to advance your career, especially if you are driven in you know to advance your career, and if you're in the marketing operations space or marketing in general, I think being a generalist is the thing that will really help you do that. Um, I at least, and that's the experience that I have found. I mean, I I call myself that I, I say that I've grown up under the process umbrella of marketing operations. And so for me, that, that is kind of a generalist. I never was any special practitioner in any specific tech or anything like that, but I've really had the opportunity to be involved in all sorts of different projects because mm-hmm. process really spans, you know, enablement on the front, front end of marketing, but also the back end side of, you know, all of our tech and our processes there. And so you get to be involved in, in just about everything. And, and when you do, that's when, you know, that knowledge comes in. And I think that's when you really have those opportunities to, to create the space for career advancement. And, and I say that because, 
you know, if, if you have, if you have that, um, if you have the ability to kind of see everything, that's when you are more likely to identify areas of opportunity and then you can go for it. Yeah. So many careers, you look at a, a doctor, if you're not a general practitioner, you specialize in gastro or uh, ear, nose and throat or whatever, you know, you find a lane and you stay, stay in it. Um, lawyers typically specialize. There's court, there's prosecution, there's defense, there's, there's corporate attorneys. Marketing is one of the most, I mean, the disciplines are extremely wide. And there's, you know, whether you're going into digital or physical uh, uh, marketing events online, social media, I just, you know, a good friend of the family, he just took on the role as he's responsible for TikTok for Microsoft. That's his job. And he was an influencer and has been, you know, doing really well, making, I think, around $140,000 a year as an influencer, you know, hustled hard uh, to build that up. And um, phenomenal story of his. And when I saw him last weekend, he said, hey, D Dave, I'm taking a job at Microsoft. I said, oh, what are you going to do there? And he goes, I'm responsible for their TikTok. And it, I had two feelings. One, I'm like, good on Microsoft to actually, you know, put a focus on TikTok. Maybe not an organization in the past you would have thought of been, uh, you know, jumping on a platform like that. And then for him, them to hire someone who I think he's about 24, 25 years old um, doing that because he has a subject matter expertise. So hustled, worked hard, learned it, and then applied for a role and, and got it. So you're more of the generalist mindset, master of all, uh, jack of all, master of none. At least that's my experience. And, and like I said, just that that exposure to all of the different areas of marketing has really helped me identify, you know, those opportunities to expand my skill set. And that's where the growth has really come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a topic that you are 100 percent more suited to talk about than I certainly am. Because I've been a father, but I've never been a mother. And I can't give birth to children. I'm biologically not programmed that way. Mm -hmm. And so thank you to you and all the women in the world for, for creating the world and, and society. You, you made a conscious effort, I'm assuming, uh, to become a mother. And I say that because you have four kids. And mm -hmm. that's amazing um, to raise a family of four. I've, I've raised two girls. And, uh, and there was a point in your life when you said it's, it's time to be mom, right. And take on a role that is the hardest role that there is. And it's a, it's a, it's a multifaceted job, right? It's besides being a mother, it's, it's a dry cleaning business. It's, it's a catering business. It's a Uber transportation, but it's everything. It's, it's the craziest, hardest job that you literally, um, become responsible for overnight. Mm -hmm. And talking to my daughters and talking to other women early in their career, they are thinking about, some of them will say like, I don't want to take on too much responsibility at work because I'm going to be a mom. And I maybe you can give even more perspective of the thoughts that go in your mind. And I'd like to get your perspective for you know women in their career that are going to at some point um, be a mother, how you approach it and how you thought about it and how you got that, that balance. So um, I actually had my first three kids when I was working the, the role that we were just discussing. And um, for me, like becoming a mother was, was a no brainer. My husband and I wanted to have children. I knew it was going to be part of my future. And, um, and I, I didn't really 
you know, I wanted to have the career and be a mom, kind of do both things. And at the same time, I always felt like at some point I'm going to want to stay home with my kids. That's mm-hmm. my mom did that. It's maybe a little old fashioned, but my mom did that. My husband's mom did that. And I just thought that was in my future too. So, um, so I did take some time to stay home and, um, you know, didn't actually work. And when my three kids were three oldest kids were little and, and that was, um, like you said, the most difficult job I've ever had in my life. Um, it is not an easy thing to care for three young children and, you know, make sure that they're all happy and also just, you know, raise them as good individuals. And, um, that, that was very hard. And, but I think what was, was challenging for me, um, as is kind of being a career focused individual mm-hmm. is I, I didn't have an outlet to, feel that sense of accomplishment that you feel when you're, when you're working. And so I really struggled with that and kind of struggled with this concept of I'm a mom and this is my job and I'm supposed to be taking care of my kids. And this is what every mom wants. And, and the the other side of me was like, well, but you know, you're not getting what you want out of this. You're not feeling as happy as you thought you would. And, Mm -hmm. And that was so difficult. And, and to be honest, it, it took me a really long time to not feel guilty about that feeling because at first I had a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but now I'm really comfortable with it. I can say what it. What was it the guilt? A long time. It's not that I don't understand it, but I really want to um, yeah. understand emotionally the guilt side of it, if you can dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, really, it was about this, again, this kind of, thought process that in my head that I had always felt like I was going to be a stay at home mom at some point in my life I'd have a career, but I would take that time off Mm -hmm. and focus on my kids and that that would be the best thing ever. And then, you know, when my kids get older, I'd go back to work. That was just what I thought my path would be. And did you feel like you were failing them as a mom, if you went yeah. and took some time for work that, that you weren't doing the best job you could do as a mom, because you were going to go work that you're saying, yeah. What about, um, did you feel like, is it a message about how much I love my kids if I want to be away from them or need to be away from them for eight hours a day or whatever it is, those feelings that, that too. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like, it, it made me feel bad that I wanted to go to work. Cause shouldn't I, as, as a mom, and again, it's a little more old school. It's not really the way things are, but shouldn't, shouldn't I, as a mom want to be home with me? Isn't that our job? Right. So not feeling happy about that made me feel very guilty. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a huge challenge. I I appreciate you sharing it. Like, and I, I don't fully understand it being a man. I remember the week that I took off for, I don't even know if I'd call it paternity leave, you know, because a week was a week and I was going back to work and my mother-in-law was at the house with, with Tiffany and we were raising, Emily, my first, and and I was like, okay, I, I guess um, I'm going to work Monday. Like, we good with that? Is everybody okay with that? Because I felt the responsibility to get back to work. This is a long time ago, you know, 26 years ago when, when I had my first and we didn't have extended paternity leave. I, I would have taken it if it was available back then um, because I really enjoyed uh, being with the kids. But I also, like you, I, I enjoy work. And mm-hmm. I mean, I the four kids are doing well and mom is having a great career. And so 
everything's turning out okay. And ultimately now with your kids older, if they asked, hey, mom, what do, we, what do you want to do? They want you to be happy. And you mm-hmm. found that. But I, it's such a controversial um, area because I think a lot of women who are stay-at-home moms and have chosen that may completely disagree with our viewpoint yeah. on this. I don't yeah. have the viewpoint. I haven't walked in your in your shoes. Well, I mean, I've had this conversation a lot with with other moms and I think and and with stay-at-home moms as well. And I think that's that's okay. I mean, we've just, you know, you just kind of realize what is what is it that you really value and what's really important to you. And and it's okay if it's important for you to have a career. You can have a career and have children and still be a very good mother. Yeah. And that and that's so and and I think you just have to get to a point where you're comfortable with that and it's and it's okay. And you and then at the same time, there's other mothers who are like, listen, I don't want to have a career. This mm-hmm. my kids are my career, and that is okay too. Totally. Um, so I think just kind of figuring out what drives you and what motivates you, and then just being okay with that. And and I think for me, that's where I had to get to. You know, I, I just I had a lot of that guilt. I really wanted to go back to work. And the minute that I, I got an opportunity to do that, and it, I'll tell you, this is how I got into the tech business. I was, I was um, offered an opportunity to format spreadsheets for a business development organization. Mm-hmm. And they were going to let me do it at home so I could stay home with my kids. But I had an outlet for that career side of, side of my brain. So, and I is terrible as formatting spreadsheets was, because it was, it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was, it made, I became a better mom because all of a sudden I was like, had this thing that I could do. Um, so it was the, it was the best thing ever. And that's how I got into the tech industry. Sometimes it isn't fun and you do have to start at the bottom and do the, do the really nitty gritty picky yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but, but it, at that point in time for me, it was, it was the best thing ever. That going back to Yellowstone, that that's what Rip has the little boy doing. He's shoveling shit in the, uh, <laughs> in the barn house and, and, you know, making him quote, pay his dues and, and what may pay his dues wrong to teach him what hard pun intended shitty work is like. Uh, but the foundational stuff, I mean, the fact that you know how to do that stuff with a spreadsheet, you know, you've been able to parlay those skills, no doubt when you've had to do, um, reports and budgets and, uh, probably look through some, some SOWs and RFPs and, and show your analytics and metrics and having all those Excel skills. My, my oldest daughter, Emily, she says amazing Excel skills. And I asked her where she learned all that stuff. And she goes, well, some of it I learned in school. And I was so glad to hear that they were teaching spreadsheets Mm -hmm. in college, um, because they certainly aren't teaching a lot of the skills that we're using. Uh, let's, let's talk about women in the workplace today. Uh, as I'm building my marketing team here at BDO digital, um, Everybody on the team right now, with the exception of myself, is a female. The head of marketing and the other five people that are currently on the team, we have five positions out there. And we will get to a mix. But when I look at my career, I have seen such a dominance of women in marketing functions. Um, You think about being a mom and that hard job, how much multitasking is required in marketing. What do you think, two-part question, what do you think is the appeal of marketing as a career for women? And I'm curious to get your perspective as being a woman, has that helped you in any particular role uh, within marketing? Yeah, uh, I think 
I think you're right. The appeal of marketing for a female is really the opportunity to be able, it's really the multitasking. I think we just excel at it maybe, right? It's maybe less of an appeal and more of just a, this is a really good thing we can excel at. And we, we like to, and, and maybe I speak for myself, but a lot of mothers, we run a household, right? So we're in charge of all the, the bills and we're in charge of getting the groceries and putting dinner on the table and the schedules and all that kind of stuff. Well, that is marketing, right? You're in charge of a campaign and there's schedules and there's things that have to go out and you have to work with a thousand people and you got to make sure all this happens. And that, to me, that is, it's a very similar skill set. So maybe it's, maybe the, you know, women in marketing, it's just, we're, we strive, we do well in that environment because we have some of those same skill sets as mothers, yeah. assuming that all women, and that's not the truth. Right? Yeah. Not all. I mean, we, there's, there's no, no, there's no stereotype that we should draw say that women are necessarily better multitaskers than men or I, but I can tell you, my wife is a way better multitasker mm -hmm. than me. Uh, and I just, I just love the fact as a father of two daughters, that this is a career and an area that, um, is so dominant, uh, with women, uh, of every level from the C-suite uh, all the way to entry-level positions. Mm -hmm. And it's a very technical field, which we didn't see a lot of. I mean, there's there's great efforts for bringing women into uh, technology, right? And in the schools and that type of stuff. So for such a technical field, uh, great. And I know, you know, a lot of solution architects on our team and implementation architects, people that you've worked with on our team, uh, you know, over the years, um, such such diversity in terms of roles and responsibilities in marketing, uh, room for everybody, that's for sure. I think it is one of those um, areas where it doesn't matter your gender, it certainly doesn't matter your race. Um, there are great roles for, for everybody where you see in other fields, you, you, you don't see as much. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about some other lessons. So I was saying in the beginning, maybe, I don't know, we don't want to say you're halfway through, you're, you're closer to retirement than and where you started, right? I like to say that. Yeah. I'm, I like to say, you know what, I'm, I can see the end, the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to retirement for sure, but I'm not that close. Have you ever had, we all have. So those really bad days at work, days that have made you cry, days that have, uh, made you really think about quitting, uh, and doing something else. How do you get through the tough times? Because a lot of the people that I coach, when they're reaching out to me, they're oftentimes considering career changes and, and those things, which are great, but they're often struggling at work. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, as you look back and, and maybe see some tough times that you've had in your career, how, how'd you get through them? And what, what were your, what were things that really caused you stress? You know, I think for me, a lot of the stress, if I'm being honest, it's, it really was oper like if, if I ever got to a point in a, in a role where I felt like there was nowhere else I could go. So whether that, and I'm not saying like necessarily advancement in terms of, you know, like I need to be another manager with more director, nothing like that, but just, just like, I felt like that I, I couldn't do much more beyond where I was. Um, that's when for me, the stress would start to creep in because I wasn't getting that sort of career advancement, which is what is really motivating for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so in those moments, I would look to 
my, my, my mentors that we talked about before, right. My, my people that even if I didn't work with them, I would call them up and be like, Hey, here's how I'm feeling, you know, and just, just talk about it. Um, and, and it, it, you know, usually I think for me, it took, it took several months mm-hmm. to figure out, do I want to make a career change or not? Not really a career change, but do I want to jump ship to another organization or, mm-hmm. you know, go find another opportunity where I'm going to get that, that sense of, um, of, uh, you know, where I have that opportunity to make some changes and, and really make an impact, you know? So I think for me, that is, that's kind of what I, what I do is just reach out to those, yeah. those people that are, are my support group. You know what I have found too, and I'll talk, I'm not going to pause to go look on your LinkedIn, but we are, I mean, we're animals. So if you look biologically at how animals are, there are periods of activity, periods of rest, hibernation, all kinds of things. There's also periods of, of change, especially with the seasons. And I found that most people will pivot their careers, could be years in between, but within about a 90-day time frame. And I think that's because during that period of time, especially if the job market's really strong, mm-hmm. you start reflecting and having that feeling. And if you're very driven like you are, you're going to take action. So if you're feeling on day X that it's time for change and maybe I'm ready for some advancement and that opportunity isn't here. And it often is there. Like I said, go talk to your managers about how you want to advance and what you want to do. Don't, and don't ask for it. Just start taking on the responsibility and then you'll get the role officially. But um, people change within 90 days. And so what I want to say to everybody is if you're feeling that now, or if you end up feeling that later in the year, know that's your kind of natural cycle, your, your, your work cycle, your hustle cycle, that you're feeling a need for change. And so embrace it. Don't get depressed about it, but it realize that it's your body telling you you're not challenged anymore or you're ready for a new challenger to take some on. And I love the, you know, diversity of my work every day. We were talking before we hit the record button that, you know, every week I'm, I'm leading a group, I'm leading this major strategic initiative, I'm a partner at BDO, I'm creating content, and I love being a content creator. It's, it's the most Doing this is the f- most favorite part of, of my day, of, of just having these conversations. Uh, and when I started the podcast, and, and it, was, it was just to have these, Christy, to, to yep. talk uh, with folks like you and, and share our different feelings about things and, and inspire people and help people reach out because we all go through the same things. We all think we're so different. We're not very different. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We all go through a lot of the same things. And I think you find that when you find your people that you're going to talk to, you, you know that they also are experiencing the same things and it's important too. And I found this with my friends that, you know, you need to be there for them when they're also going through those same experiences at, at their, at wherever, whatever that might be. Yeah. yeah. You talk about mm-hmm. being coach and having mentors, like you can't help someone if everything's going great in their life. And when I ask a friend like, Hey, how are you doing? And their answer is good. That's like a reaction. It's like getting your knee tapped that's the response that you give. But then if you peel that back and say, you know, what is going on with you? Anything, anything you're troubled with or anything that's, you know, keeping you awake at night or how are you feeling these days about X, Y, and Z? Then you get those vulnerable conversations and you can really help somebody. I remember being at a conference, the sales conference, and uh, they were talking about mentoring for, for salespeople. And he said, you know, if, if you're that guy who says, uh, you know, everything's great, man. I'm writing so many deals. I don't have enough ink in my pen. It's like, all right, I'm out. Can't help you yeah. because everything's good for you. And, and it's, it really helps to be vulnerable, uh, especially when you want to advance your career and, and talking about why you want to do that. 
So let's talk about the next 12 years or as far as we can look <laughs> out. You're at a point right now, Senior Director of Marketing Operations at JLL. You've, you've been learning the methods and technologies of modern marketing, which is what we talk about here on the program. Is there anything uh, skill set or technologies or areas that is that you're thinking about next for you in the in the in the short term horizon that you want to tackle and, and and bring in? Yeah, I mean, I have been. I'll tell you, I, I started JLT about two months ago, and the first uh, day I was there, our Eloqua admin quit, and so uh, the last two months have been drinking from a fire hose and learning Eloqua. And it isn't that I didn't know Eloqua; it's just as I said before, I'm not really a practitioner, so I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm really focused on right now: is campaigns, you know, the tech and execution within the tech, because I'm actually having to do some of that work. Whereas in previous roles, you know, I had, um, I had people that knew what they were doing in that system. And, yeah. and I, you know, so that's been a really big challenge for me, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like the next 12 years, I don't really know kind of where I want to go, but I, but what I do know is that I, I have to continue to have my, I have my compass kind of pointed in the Northeast direction. So as long as I'm continuing to expand skill set wise, which in marketing ops, it's, it, there's, there's never, it's a never ending. You can, you can learn. There's a million tech right out yeah. there, right? You can learn, you can constantly be learning. So that for me is, is this is why I, I think I excel really well in marketing operations because there's always that opportunity to learn something. Um, and, and I, I do want to continue to, to build on more of some of the more strategic types of, of, project management, because I, that's for me, something I'm really interested in. And so I think if I just kind of continue to find those opportunities and, and grow, then, then I'll be happy. I love that. Well, by the way, you have a great friend in the Eloqua community and that is, that is me. I, I don't work I in the tool <laughs> anymore, but I remember still to this day, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but when we licensed Eloqua in 2003 at Ellie May, because I'm such a geek, I, I like over the Christmas holiday after Christmas, I started digging into their online documentation and deployed the platform. And I was done by January 4th and I did a self deployment and configured everything. And then Adrian Chang and um, uh, Eric, uh, I'm blanking on Eric's last name, it was terrible, but it was a long time ago. They're like, all right, so we're having your kickoff call, you know, hope you had a good new year and, you know, we want to get you configured. And I said, um, I think we're good. I think everything's all, we, we actually pushed out our first email yesterday. I'm just trying to warm our IP address. And, you know, we, we sent a hundred emails and he's like, you did what? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're all, we're done. We're, we're good. What, what do you guys do? And Alec was like, well, we've never had anyone do that before. And I realized like, to your point, like I had found my calling, like, wow, I love technology. And this is now the, really the very first marketing technology with a level of complexity at that mm -hmm. time period. And so I just sunk myself into it and learned everything I could about it. And then when Marketo came along and I reached out to the founders and said, look, I'm happy to advise you and invest in the company and, you know, build another great marketing automation system. And so I'm, I'm excited for you. And my team, as you know, we've got some great experts here. So besides myself, I think we can get uh, you to become a master of another another platform. It's exciting, and I told you one of our team members is actually joining JLL, and so you've, yeah. you you're you're in good hands with Brett. He's he's amazing. He knows a lot of stuff, and so 
He's been with us for look him up. Yeah, he's been here over a decade and to the point he was, you know, ready to go client side and just just make a change and and make a pivot. Uh, Lessons. Um, We cover we covered a lot today. I the one question that I still want to ask you is around compensation. Okay, because I think um, so many of the people that I'm talking to, they want to keep growing. And I was one of those people where I spent nine and a half years at a particular company and I grew up a lot there. And every two years I was taking on new roles and new responsibility. And I did get to the point where my compensation wasn't really keeping with what I would say is market. Um, because if you make a move and make a jump, you know, you're going to typically see a 15% or more these days, even is some more of that. What are your thoughts on ways to not only level up your expertise, but tricks of the trade you found to, you know, get your compensation properly adjusted if you have any secrets there. Yeah. I mean, I think again, we talked a little bit about this, but your network is really, really important, especially when it comes to things like compensation. Um, you know, I have found that the best way to, to try to identify if what you're either asking for or what you're being offered is, is, you know, right where it should be in terms of your skill set and where the market is, is really to, ask around and Mm -hmm. say, well, you know, Hey, especially if you can find a company, like if you have somebody in your network that works at an organization, that's like a competitor of yours and they can tell you maybe, Hey, I know so-and-so over here, they make roughly in this range and they're doing these types of, of, you know, work and that that's their responsibility. And you can, if you can get a couple of those like real life examples to compare yourself to, mm-hmm. I think that that is really helpful. And I, I think it gives you more confidence in what it is you're going in to ask for. Yeah. Coaching that I've given uh, some people lately is have a direct frank conversation with your manager, do your homework, know when the window is approaching for compensation. A lot of companies are on like annual merit increases. You want to get yep. about 90 days at least in front of that. And you get in front of that. Why? Because, you know, behind the scenes, we, we all know what the manager gets is a departmental budget yep. increase. And it's like a salary cap. And then you have to decide how you're going to allocate that. And if that budget is three to 5% of um, the total, let's say, let's say there's a million dollars just to use easy numbers. There's a million dollars and three to 5% of that is given to the department to spread across your people. That may not take into account what you, one of the people is really actually looking for. If you're at 55 K and you're looking to go to 75 or 80 K, that's not a 3% increase. No. So the conversation that you want to have with your manager, let's, 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 can we role play? Can we, can we do this sure. in real time? So sure. I'll, I'll play the, the, the young person who's looking for a, a big increase and Let's see how, how, how you react. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're in our one-on-one. Uh, so I want to talk to you today a little bit about my compensation. I know that merit increases are coming up um, about three months from now. And I thought I'd get a little ahead of that. I've been with the company for about two and a half years now, as you know, and I've, you know, I, I actively listen to demand gen radio and take their advice about becoming a generalist. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> I, I, I've, I've taken on the webinar responsibility. I've taken on the social media responsibility. I've got my Marketo certification or Elico certification. You know, become there with your, these are all the responsibilities that you've grabbed onto and, and lay that out in a humble way. And I'm a sponge, Christy. I love learning new things and taking on more responsibilities. And I hope that those broader responsibilities, or I should say, instead of my hope is, I'm seeking that all those additional responsibilities will get us to a point where it's not just a standard merit increase. 
um, based on some of the you know, research that I've done out in the marketplace. Uh, you know, my comp probably is in the range of 80 to 120,000 a year uh, instead of, you know, what might look like a 60 or 65 or $70,000 bump as, as you plan this. And I wanted to have this conversation with you, Christy, because I don't want to get to the point where, you know, any of us are disappointed because I don't want to go anywhere else. I like working for you. I like working at this company. I still want to sponge up and learn as much as I possibly can and contribute as much as I can. But I'm in a stage in my career where I want to move. I want to get a house. Life's not getting any less expensive. And I just wanted to set some expectations and see if, you know, this 80 to 120K range is, is crazy. Well, you know, David, I sure appreciate that you brought, you know, this to my attention. And I agree that, you know, you have really done a lot of extra work over the last several months. And, you know, uh, I think you're approaching this in the right way by, you know, sharing with me all of the, all the things that you've really added, you know, brought to the organization and how you've added value. And, you know, I, I think what I would ask of you is to put all of this down in writing um, and to share that with me so I can have the conversations that are needed with the appropriate, you know, uh, resources with, you know, my boss and my manager and with HR, because I think that, you know, what you brought to me is really good research um, on where you should be in the market. Um, and also you, you've really shown all of the different ways that you've really added value to the organization. And I think that's really important. Um, and then, you know, now that I'm done role-playing, but okay. I think what I would do in this situation too, is really just um, try to understand what is this person really trying to do? Where, what's their career path? Because if they're sitting in a specialist role and they're taking on all these extra responsibilities, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to level them up to, you know, a, a manager role or something along those lines where we could potentially get them a little bit more for their salary, right? Whereas versus with the merit increase, we can't. Yeah. And, and, and the challenging part about this is, like you said, you you only have, as a manager, you only have so much money, you know, and, but it's those situations when people advocate for themselves that I'm, as a manager, as long as you have that all written down in writing, um, I'm going to go advocate for you because, you know, we're not always thinking about those things because we have a thousand things we're doing. Yeah. But if you're bringing it to my attention and you have that solid research and you've got, you know, all of the thing, ways you've added value to the organization, there, there, it's very hard to say no to, and yeah. you're going to go advocate with the right people. And again, maybe it's making a career shift. So like, how can we put this person into a role where, you know, all these things that they're doing and all the skills that they have um, could fit into this other role over here and we can afford to, 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 you know, meet them halfway um, or, yeah. or something along those lines or build out a plan to like over the next year, we're going to get you to where you want to be you know, put some expectations totally. in place. But those are great conversations to have. Yeah. I, I enjoy them as well. Yeah. Um, especially when people are coming so well prepared. And, and that, that recipe again is in a, and I'll critique myself is one is on the good side, do it in advance because once that salary is committed out, it's really hard for your manager to go back and ask for more money, no matter how you've built the business case. So get it in front of the budgeting cycle. Uh, to do yeah. that. If you don't have an annual time, then, you know, a little bit more open to do it, but make it a conversation that's going to get resolved in a period of time. Don't expect them to just, you know, react within a week or two. The only time you're going to see a fast reaction like that is when you've now resigned and now they're scrambling and 
both parties probably wish they had that conversation earlier. I hate seeing that. It happens all too often that the compensation conversation happens once you've resigned. And the reason that that fails is because you've already emotionally decided and committed mm -hmm. and told yourself that you're making the right decision by leaving. So if they try to, you know, uh, have you stay for compensation, it's, it's really awkward. So anyway, have it in advance, talk openly, humbly about all the responsibilities that you've taken on, because what you're doing is helping Christy, my mock manager in this, build a new role potentially for me, because it's not a merit increase. Uh, if Christy can say, David's moving from uh, the uh, eloquent specialist to a marketing operations specialist. You know, it, it's just a broader role and justifies the additional compensation than just saying, hey, I want a lot more money in the exact same role that I'm in. HR and management wants to hear that you've moved roles and, and uh, you know, come, come prepared. The thing that I would critique myself on is an 80 to 120K range is way too large of a range because that's a huge percentage unless you're willing to take the 80. Like whatever your low number is, you better be damn well happy when you get that because shame on you if you're disappointed and you get the low end of the range. Probably not more than a 10 to 15K range is probably what you should do. But by giving a wider range, it's also letting your manager know like, hey, there may be a bigger role for me. And that's why that's why I gave the range is because I wanted to get promoted from marketing automation manager into marketing operations in our, in our scenario. Christy, I love the, these chats and I love the, um, love to continue to do a series of these and have folks like yourself and then the person who sent me the note that they're retiring, uh, and, and looking back at their entire career. So proud of you and the changes that you've made, um, creating your career and establishing that, uh, taking on and moving into responsibilities of roles that never even existed years ago, like marketing operations, and now throwing yourself in an environment as I had a marketing operations where it, completely new platform for you. I'm excited for the Eloqua uh, piece. And you've got, you've got plenty of coaching and mentoring right here uh, digitally for you or, or whatever we, uh, we need to spend time on. So thanks. Um, any final thoughts? If, uh, if someone's listening and, and something, we didn't, something we didn't cover that you have as a thought to, to help people realize where they are in their journey, realize where they can get and, and what it takes to get there. You know, I think the the one thing I want to want to add because you know we talk about growing a network a lot, and that's really difficult to do if you're just starting out in your career. So I was really thinking about how did I grow my network, and what were some of the real tactical, easy things that that I did, and and how can I, I help somebody else do that? So I think for me, don't just go out on LinkedIn and just you know friend everybody. Um, I don't think that's the right way to do it, but go to conferences. I think it's the best way to learn. It's the best way to like, just meet people. Um, and, and so I think that's one there's for marketing ops specifically, there's a ton of, you know, Slack communities out there now that they weren't there before. Now they're there. Those are an awesome opportunity to create, you know, those, those relationships and, and to network. And then I think the other thing is treat your vendors really well. And I've had somebody told me that before. And I think that's a really important um, it's a really important thing. And so like, this is a great example of an opportunity that, you know, we've worked together in the past and, um, I've worked with, you know, many members of your team and, and here I am today, right? Like this is an opportunity for me. So yeah. I think 
that the networking and especially with your vendors and in marketing ops, you're dealing with a lot and you're, you're having a lot of like discovery calls. Um, it's just, it's a great opportunity to um, build your network and then to leverage them when, when you're ready. Um, because that's how those opportunities will, and those, those doors will open totally. um, for you as you start to build your career. So I love that. Love you bolting on that because the, the power of the network, there's an old expression. Um, you know, it's, it's not, who you know, it's who knows you. A little different version of the old cliche. Yeah. Uh, and conferences are great. And now that COVID is, for the most part, lifted, people need to get out. If you're young in your career, um, don't be, you know, a wallflower. Get out there, meet people. Uh, when you're in a session and you're sitting next to people, introduce yourself, exchange business cards if you have those. Um, certainly connect with them on LinkedIn. Grab your phone and connect with them and follow up, the power of the network is is huge. And as Christy's points out, you know, my team has worked with Christy, I know Christy, if she called me tomorrow and said, hey Dave, I'm ready to make a move, um, there's there's half a dozen jobs that I know, or in companies that I can introduce, that would love to have someone with her skills and expertise. And so, uh, appreciate what you said about the vendor relationships, because I hate the client vendor relationship. I feel an extension of the team, I feel, like we're all one team, we're just literally um, in extension as opposed to employees. But it's, uh, it's you know, the vendors can help the clients and the clients can help the vendors and that ecosystem within the marketing community has always been something I really, really value and appreciate. When am I gonna see you next? Uh, are you going to any conferences? Well, you're going to, did you say you are going to Forrester? No. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but uh, it's a busy time for my family, so I'm not sure I can get away. Yeah. I've been there several times, though. Yeah. I highly recommend it. All right. Well, let me know when you're going out to an event, because I'd love to see you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Stick around to all of you guys. Um, we covered a lot today, and I love talking about your careers and talking with you guys about your careers. If I can be of help to any of you from a mentoring or coaching perspective, um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. My network is your network. And there's a lot of opportunity today and a, and a lot of change that's taking place. So happy to help you. And if I don't have the answers or or um, way to help you, I'm sure I can connect you with someone who is. The only thing that I ask in return, and it's a small ask, if you guys are enjoying the program, Demand Gen Radio and Demand Gen TV, tell your friends uh, and your colleagues about it. Would love to have more people listen in and um, really enjoy the story with, with Christy and her career journey. So proud of everything that she's accomplished. Um, that's going to do it. Don't forget to hit subscribe, like if you liked it, if you learned something or were inspired, and feel free to drop a comment. If you're on the YouTube channel, demandgen.tv, that's where you can leave comments. And again, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can drop a comment there where the video is. And guess what? I'll actually respond. Yeah, because I love talking with you guys. All right, that's going to do it. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.